We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Appreciate everybody that is listening to this. Before we start, before I break to Matthew, I just want to apologize for the dozens of people who are mad that we don't acknowledge the third Super Bowl champion championship for the Kansas City Chiefs. We understand that they are three-time Super Bowl champions. This current version of it, though, how many times have they won the Super Bowl recently, Matthew? You just killed the bit, I think. I I think you just single-handedly killed the bit. I think the bit's done now. I I think think the fact that you had... Nah, the fact that you had to acknowledge people that were getting angry, even though we have done it numerous times, acknowledged it numerous times, the fact that you had to leave the show with that, I think it killed... He killed the bit. The bit's over, Kent. Well, you, I'm, you I apologize the to the I, bit. I think it's the sacrifice we have to make so people don't get mad about Super Bowl Four. Oh my lord! It's over. It's over. Okay, uh, Craig, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm just trying to embody a like you know the vibe of a man that like just got out of the darkness, was trying to decide whether or not he was going to retire, and decided. Nah, I think I'll stick around for a little bit longer. So, trying to just kind of put off that vibe. Kit's out here turning off all of his lights. He's actually in the darkness right now. Ah, man. You guys, uh, this has been a busy offseason. Does it feel a little bit like, you know, it's uh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and Chris Jones standing in a room like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, just like turning around? Like, oh, it's kind of empty in here. This is... uh, all my friends are gone. It's a little bit sad. 
It is. Well, we're going to start there, I think. We will, like, I know that this, the subject line here is should the Chiefs uh, sign Odell Beckham Jr., but we've got to get to that point first. So there's plenty of stuff that we have to discuss that we all haven't had a chance to real quick. And then we'll, I promise you, we will t- talk about one of the very few receiving options that seems to be legitimately available to the Chiefs at this point. But we've got to talk a little bit here about some of the moves that have been made since Charles O'Manahue has been added to the Chiefs. That's uh, kind of a little bit older news. Uh, Craig, you were on breaking down Charles O'Manahue, so we've kind of heard from you. Maddie, uh, what were your thoughts on Charles O'Manahue being signed? I mean, buddy, I did a whole film room on it by myself. People got to hear me talk for like 45 minutes straight if they're <laughs> part of the KCS and Discord about what I thought of this move. Um, I'm also writing about it for the KCS and Substack tomorrow. So if you're not subscribed there, make sure you head on over, subscribe, uh, read that article. There's also going to be a link in that article to the film room that you will get to see now that you are subscribed. So um, so yeah, there's a lot of my thoughts there to go in a lot more detail with a video going on at the same time. Uh, I'm going to make it quick and to the point. I thought when they signed him that you have solid at worst a quality to a high-end rotational edge rusher and you have the potential that he's going to grow into more. After really going through a lot of his tape, digging through what he did at San Francisco, I think you signed at worst a quality defensive end too that has the chance to be a really good defensive end too. I, I, the more I watch, the more impressed I got. I get it. The 49ers didn't play him versus the run very often. He doesn't have a ton of sacks. But if you go through and look at the you know rep by rep, snap by snap, he's really darn good. And I think some of the stuff he can improve upon is very coachable pad level through contact using the long arm properly and not always attacking the same spot on an offensive tackle you do those two things and all of a sudden like he has a whole nother two three rush moves to his to his name like I couldn't be more excited for Charles Aminahue I think I'm saying I'm calling right now you are going to get two years after this offseason and call up one of the biggest deals this free agency period I think he's going to be I think he is that good and with more snaps he's going to be that much better I I think it's very interesting to kind of see the 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 football player or the football analysts that you know like watch and break down film. I mean, as soon as this deal came through, Nate Ty sent me a message that was just like, "Dude, you guys are gonna love a minute, you." And yeah, you are. I, that cross chop that he's got is so smooth and so slick. He wins with it, he, uh, going both directions. It's not just a move as he's coming off the right. He uses it on the interior. He's got good flexibility as, you know, there, if everybody hasn't seen kind of the packages that have going, that are going around, you know, lining up as a two eye and looping around to the backside C gap and being able to get pressure quickly. Not, not a, it is a longer developing, you know, rush by nature, but it's not long. This is, he's going to contend with Chris Jones for who can get to the quarterback quicker and that's what this team needs they got a lot of slow burn guys that are going to get there relentless motor that sort of stuff you'd love to have guys like that the George Karloftis Mike Dana those guys are very very useful individuals when they're rushing the passer but occasionally you got to blow by a dude and win quick you got to be able to do that on occasion Chris Jones has really been the only guy outside of maybe an occasional Frank Frank Clark rush Charles Aminihue is going to bring that more often than we've seen. This is the quote-unquote speed rusher that we've been looking for for Steve Spagnuolo to add for a long time. We'd hoped it was Taco Charlton. I legitimately believe that it's Charles Aminihue. 
Yeah, I mean, all the building blocks are there. And I, Craig, you said, hey, like we might look back at this in two years. Do they? they we, hopefully, the, I mean, I think the hope is like a year from now they're looking to rework that deal. Like, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of the hope you're looking for there too. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody watching. I'm really excited about this move as well. I'm going to ask this question before we move on, though. Maddie, do you think that the Chiefs, like, what's the minimum amount of additions the Chiefs need to make to the defensive end group right now? Oh, uh, they need they need one more person that you can reasonably expect to play a significant amount of snaps, and you can, you know, figure out significant whatever you want. Like, right now, I think it's pretty clear George Karloft is going to play a ton of snaps. He already did once. He's going to play more. Mike Dean is going to play a good amount of snaps inside and outside. I think Charles O'Minihue is going to play a good bit of snaps inside and outside. That's only three, right? You need one more person that you can realistically expect to play a lot of snaps, and that means you can't just be a fourth-round draft pick, right? You can't yeah. just take a day-three defensive end and expect him to come in and fill this. So whether that's bringing Frank Clark back, bringing Carlos Dunlap back, or a round one maybe round two draft pick a defensive end, but like they need somebody else just to physically eat snaps. And then it would be really, really nice if they got somebody with some speed. I love Charles Amenehu. His first step is good, but he, you're not going to see him like running the arc at a hundred miles, at hundred miles an hour. That's not his game either. He's a power first player. So like, I would still love a Nolan Smith, for example, just somebody to provide some speed off the edge, whether, you know, you get that in the draft or you find someone in free agency. I do think, not that he's going to be a full-time three-tech by any means, but I think he offers you enough flexibility to rotate in with Chris Jones and then when you kick into the dime to line up at any one of the four spots that it doesn't have to be an edge for me. Like, if a defensive tackle falls, like, it, listen, Jalen Carter's not going to fall to 31, but he it sounds like he's trying his hardest right now to, to kind of fall down the ranks. That that's a move that makes sense now. Like it, before, maybe you're looking at defensive tackle and going, ah, I don't know. That seems like kind of a luxury pick with all the needs. A mini Hughes flexibility to play on the edge, and yes, he is an edge at 280 pounds. But his ability to kick down inside gives you that flexibility. If it's Nolan Smith on the outside, you can play a mini Hugh on the inside. If it's Jalen Carter on the inside, or you know, name any other defensive tackle. It won't be Jalen Carter. I don't mean to get everybody's hopes up, but. If it's another defensive tackle that you're comfortable with on the well, inside, then Omenahue is a guy that's going to play on the outside. I just love, it's very reminiscent of Jawan Taylor and the flexibility that they have left tackle and right tackle. I think Omenahue gives them some of that flexibility. Defensive end, defensive tackle, yes, they do need a three-down defensive end still, not arguing that, but it does open the board up just a little bit more by making this sign. I'm I'm. I'm fascinated to see the approach with, with the edge position. You know, we've talked about a little bit of the rigidity of Steve Spagnuolo's, you know, preferences along the defensive line. There's not a ton of exceptions being made. But then they go out and they have B.J. Thompson, who's a lighter prospect <laughs> uh, at the edge position, in for one of their top 30 visits. So is that a sign of things to come? Like, you know, I, I just, just, I'm just paying attention to that. Maybe there's a little bit more... You know, I mean, they had maybe Joe Colon run the workout at Georgia's Pro Day for the defensive line, but and but like Craig said, Jalen Carter probably not going to be available for the Chiefs. Although we're not sure. I mean, we're kind of trending closer. Shouldn't. How about this? The NFL but, should not let that man no, fall to thirty-one. But then, 
the other two Georgia defensive linemen are uh, Robert Beal and Nolan Smith, both of which are sub-250 pound speed rushers, right? It's like, yeah. I, I get it. You don't want to read too much into a positional coach going to work them out, but Joe Cullen also just went and worked out two light defensive ends and a top five pick in the draft. And Joe Cullen, on the KCSN interview that he did while KCSN was at the Combine, go back and listen to that with BJ. Joe Cullen rattled off all of Nolan Smith's measurements and athletic testing numbers I mean, off the dome. I don't mean, we all? Like, hey, ran a, ran a yeah. 37, ran a 4.39. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, just, yeah, you know, I ran this kind of short shuttle. He did this in the, in the vert and this in the broad and all that. It's like, all right, Joe. Yeah, we get it. You like the dude. Now he's out there working him out. They're obviously doing their homework a little bit on a guy like that. It does seem very blatant, but hell, you know, it, if he's a guy that the NFL is looking at as like a midday two pick or, you know, a mid round two pick, I, I don't know if that testing that that'll be the case. But if he's a mid round two pick, Chiefs could just sit there and go, listen, if he's there at 31, we're taking him, guys. Like, listen, we, ju we just I, are. Listen, I they lost Ray Clark, who's been a leader in that defensive line room for a long time, and now it's George Karloftis, Charles O'Minihue, Mike Dana. Chris Jones is still there to do some of that, but like, there's clearly a little bit of a vacancy for a voice. I don't know if anybody has seen the clips, but you listen to Nolan Smith talk for 15 mm. seconds, you're ready to fully buy in, right? So I don't know, think it makes sense for a lot of reasons. I also think he goes in the top like 20 of the draft because he's a freak athlete, so I don't think it's realistic. Before you can. Add in can't I just I have one more Benihue thing before we move on. So I just want right. to let you know. Because you transition real fast sometimes. Yeah. Oh, you ready for it? Okay. Do you guys think when they kick a defensive end inside to rush next to Chris Jones, do you think it'll be Dana or do you think it'll be Omenihue? Mm. Uh I mean, I've got a Maddie answer here. It's going to be Dana and Karloftis because Chris and Omenihue are playing defensive end with those okay. two inside. We we getting fancy with it here. I, and I I, I love it because Spagnuolo and Cullen could just sit there and go, all right, and we're going to move this guy here and this guy here and this, and they can legitimately do it in the dime. They're just going to throw, I mean, the answer is yes. I think it's literally, they're just going to, to Craig's point, I think they'll have every which ro rotational look you can possibly throw at them. Like, I think it'll be all over the place. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this to talk uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Folks, i got to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Athletic Greens. I've been taking AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, and I gave it a try because I wanted to get that better gut health. I wanted to uh, have the sustained energy. you got to support the immune system, especially this time of the year. And I hated taking all those pills and vitamins to actually get all those supplements, and it tastes great as well. I take it in the morning before I start my day, before I make that cup of coffee, and it makes me feel ready to take on everything that we've got going on here at KCSN. And you know, all great athletes take care of their body. I'm not the same kind of athlete as Patrick Mahomes, but I still like to take care of my body, and that's when I've been going to AG1. That's why I'm a huge fan. You get all that nutrition in just one little cup. It's it's a great, it's great for long-term gut health support as well with just 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplemental routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. That's athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. Check it out. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out with us right now. And, you know, the, if you're re- looking at this, if you're if you're listening to this, the subject should the Chiefs sign free agent Odell Beckham Jr. And that's because the Chiefs lost Juju Smith-Schuster uh, to the New England Patriots yesterday. Uh, essentially a three-year, $26.5 million contract. There is some additional incentives in there. Um, very interesting contract that the Chiefs elected not to match, Maddie. Um, we'll talk about Juju real quick before we talk about Odell. Kind of surprised by that. I mean, so like, I guess let's let's go through the whole thing here, right? We thought the Chiefs would be interested in bringing back Juju Smith-Schuster, just they didn't like the big pictures. They didn't bring him back, right? Somebody else paid for him. So the first thing you have to do is figure out what that means for the chiefs. They lose the guy that was effectively their wide receiver. One, they lose their guy that got the second most targets. That was the second most reliable player after Travis Kelsey in the passing game. Like they lost a lot. Now the good news, if there is some, they lost a guy whose role is essentially the same as Travis Kelsey's. He's the backup, Travis Kelsey, the backup guy to win short intermediate zones. Yes. He did had some really great games for Kansas City. I don't want to diminish anything he did. Like they lost an important piece, but it's also not a piece that they don't have guys that you would anticipate being able to step into that role. Sky Moore is probably a better wide receiver in that role than how he was lose last year. Travis Kelsey is already a better receiver in that same area of the field. So they do have options to replace him, but man, it's really hard to look at this Chiefs team and be like, huh, I wonder if you take this wide receiver group they have remove the most reliable guy, not actually reliable, just the most reliable guy and the wide receiver one and go figure it out, right? Like and on the surface, that's a, that's a tough sell. Yeah, I, so much of a tough sell that I would bet an insane amount of money that this is not going to be the receiving group that they go in. Now, we're, we're going to get into several options here, including what the title of this podcast says. They're adding somebody. I just think that they are. I, I know that they love Kadarius Tony. They truly believe that he can do wide receiver one things. I don't 
it, it will be interesting to see how they implement him in that. I'm not saying that he can't take over and have a really excellent season. I really truly believe that. I also know that they really truly don't believe that that man is going to stay healthy. And that's, that's a tough thing to ask. Juju Smith-Schuster had a lingering knee injury that day. You know, basically everybody kind of knew about and was reporting. The Chiefs not offering more than what the Patriots did is 100% tied to that knee injury and 100% tied to his long-term success here. I think that under the right circumstances, they would have signed Juju Smith-Schuster back to this team because they truly believe that he can slot in there play that kind of wide receiver 1B role well enough to make this offense go. We just saw it last year. It worked. They can do it. However, they're not willing to break the bank. And we heard leading up to all of this, hey, they love Juju Smith-Schuster. They want it back. They're going to run back the receiving core. You know, we, we heard it from everywhere, behind the scenes, in public, everything. And then all of a sudden, he goes to New England. There is a fallback plan. There just is. Brett Veach always has one. There is definitively a fallback plan. I'm just curious to see what it is. I'll I'll go out I'll go out on a limb and say I don't even know if it's a fallback plan. I think there is a plan A, and it's not to um, diminish Juju Smith-Schuster, but the offer that the Patriots presented him, I don't think you let Juju walk for that contract if he's your plan A. I just I have a hard time believing that that little of a contract is something that's going to keep the Chiefs from moving on to their next their next option, uh, and so I I just I, I feel like we're that this is where it's worth talking about. I think there are more ambitious opportunities for this team to improve the receiver position than we're looking at or than we're thinking, and we've seen the Chiefs. There's there's two big moves before the draft out here that that seemed very uh, clear. Um, one of them potentially trading for DeAndre Hopkins. We can talk about that a little bit. But the Chiefs are reportedly interested in Odell Beckham Jr. They attended his workout. They have been reported as recently as today as being interested in the, uh, in the former Ram, the former New York Giant. So I... I'm not sure that, or I'm not sure, Odell Beckham Jr. is it Plan A for this team, or 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 just at least a higher priority for this team? Because here's here's, here's the way I look at it. I think the Chiefs the, the Chiefs made an offer for for Juju Smith-Schuster, right? They made an offer for him, but maybe they made an offer because they had something else in mind at the receiver position too, and they had to make two things work. And maybe that's the line that they set, because that was such a low offer. Maybe they're just they're very heavily involved in the Odell Beckham Jr. situation, Matthew. So I think even beyond seeing the Juju Smith-Schuster con- Schuster contract and saying, hmm, that's weird the Chiefs didn't match that, it's the fact that last night uh, the Chiefs go out and they go ahead and move over some of Patrick Mahomes' money to where they clear out $12 million in cap space by mess- you know pushing his contract or adding it to his signing bonus, right? They very clearly cleared space for some reason. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a big move at wide receiver. They needed to clear cap space just so they could actively sign anybody. They couldn't like they couldn't put in like really a two million dollar contract without making this Mahomes deal, right? They were out of space. So they had to clear it, but they did it last night on a Wednesday when they had until Friday to do it. This wasn't a last second move just to make sure they had a couple extra million dollars laying around to where they could sign, you know, a third phase safety in free agency. I think this was clearly done with some kind of move in mind. So you take that information, 
you compare that to the Juju Smith-Schuster contract and everything that we heard for the past two weeks about how they like this wide receiver room, they want to bring all these same guys back, and you have to really start to wonder whether it was a plan A, plan B thing, or maybe something changed over the past couple weeks, but it seems like there is something else, you know, brewing under the surface, whether it's an Odell Beckham Jr., whether it's a DeAndre Hopkins. They're kind of running out of other free agents that would require real money. I hope it's not an Adam Thielen. I don't think that'll require real money. DJ Shark, maybe Marvin Jones. Like, there's a couple guys out there, but I don't think, I think if we're talking about clearing money for a reason, it's got to be an Odell or a DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe there's a, a Brandon Cooks has been rumored to be available for trade for a couple years now. Like, it feels like it has to be a player that would require substantial money the way this seems to be going. If not, the Chiefs would have just paid Juju, what he or matched close enough to match what the Patriots did. So I think there is another option. Like, they have another plan. I just, it's tough to sit here and watch all these wide receiver free agents go off the board today and then uh, not see the Chiefs do anything. I do think that that speaks volumes, though. And I also think, Maddie, to your point, it, you know, what changed? Well, what changed? Wide receiver market is not hot. Like, I, everybody's making I, – I, Matty, I think you alluded to the fact that Darius Slayton might have been the only guy that is above what, you know, like Spotrack and those other yeah. these other groups that have projected these contracts out that is making above what the projection was. Everybody else is so far below it. It is a very down market. And, oh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey just got traded for a third-round draft pick. DeAndre Hopkins isn't getting that. Brandon Cook certainly isn't getting that. It could have been that the Chiefs were legitimately honest about bringing Juju Smith-Schuster back, looking at the rough market of everything and saying, okay, maybe we come in, we pay him $12, $13 million. We feel good about that. We feel good about the wide receiver room kind of going forward here. We're not going to spend an asset, especially one that's going to require a high asset. Now you fast forward two weeks into this, you see other teams aren't paying wide receivers. You see other players going for picks that you know are behind what you know Arizona's asking for there now you maybe take a step back you reevaluate the market and you say okay do we want to go pursue a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. because it's not going to be 20 million dollars all of a sudden do we want to go pursue DeAndre Hopkins because now maybe that draft pick is a fourth rounder instead of you know a second rounder it it just kind of has to align and if the market aligns it would line up with everything not pursuing a Darius Slate not trying to keep Juju Smith-Schuster some of these moves that just seemed very Vichian were not happening so it does make me think that there's something there it also you know in addition to an Odell D-Hop whoever it also doesn't preclude them from drafting a wide receiver high I think everybody kind of looks at this and says oh well if they add a guy in free agency they're not drafting a wide receiver high. Kent, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, I don't think that they've got anybody locked in long-term. They can move on from MVS easily next year. This still doesn't mean that a guy falls to them at pick 31, that they don't take him there too. Well, I think that alludes to everything is, okay, well, I'll, I promise this is all going to come back full circle, but okay. I think, you know. <laughs> no, I'm out. It's journey. What the, the Chiefs had three clear needs when free agency started, I think, by all indications tackle, edge, wide receiver. They got the first two done quick. They made, they were very quick to get them taken care of. 
And so, you know, there's a, there's a piece of this that we don't know. There's something we don't know and we aren't privy to on the outside looking in that is reality. And the reality could be that they're very well positioned for Odell Beckham Jr. It could be that they are well positioned to acquire DeAndre Hopkins in a trade. It could be, to Craig's point, that the market might be sitting pretty for them at the draft. in the draft. They believe that one of the four or five top receivers that they really like is going to be available to them at 31. I, it's been long enough. I can say this. The Chiefs were pretty confident George Karloftis was going to fall to them last year. Correct. And he did. They, they had a good beat on the draft last year. They had a good feel that George Karloftis was going to be available to them at the end of the first round last year. So the piece of this puzzle could be that they're just, they're they're going to go, you know, they're going to go draft a receiver they really like. Maybe, you know, like maybe they like counterpoint. Uh, okay. Andy Reid and rookie wide receivers. That's like, a fair How are you going to, how are you going to sit here and be like, oh, we lost the most reliable wide receiver we have. Let's replace him with a rookie when they really do struggle sure. to see the field or to have a consistent role in this offense, right? Like, I think veterans have proven they can come into this offense and click pretty quickly. Like, the guys that have been around the league, they can pick up stuff fast. Rookies, we have seen numerous times now, there's been a little bit of a transitional period, or they get stuck in a very specific role, and they say, hey, go do that role. And it's usually not a real wide receiver role. It's run to space or take some jet sweep, <laughs> right? So, like, I'm like, I'm running back snaps last preseason <laughs> right right well but I mean, even going back to McCole Hardman or Tyreek Hill like these guys all kind of went through the same role I mean McCole got pushed into a real role with Hill injury but that's besides like the point so I don't know if you can rely on a rookie wide receiver coming in and replacing not the role that Juju had but just the consistency the reliability that he was going to have in that spot because that's what they're missing now you Kadarius Tony can't play more than three games without being hurt MVS disappears in every, two out of every three games he plays. Sky Moore couldn't get on the field last year. Justin Ross, who's probably their fourth wide receiver, is a big wide receiver with a busted up foot and a fused neck. Where's the reliability in that group? Yeah, can I can I add to that something too? It's like mm -hmm. look where the since look what like the Chiefs almost lost our Chiefs lost Super Bowl because their offensive line fell apart. The Chiefs were holding on for dear life at receiver with Mahomes on a bum ankle against the Cincinnati Bengals a month two months ago. So it's right. like, you've got, like, if you want to talk about a preemptive, aggressive correction, it's like, why aren't they looking to add more reliability to that position? I'm sorry, continue, Matthew. No, no, and I think that's completely fine. Like, I don't think this is a, oh, the Chiefs need to freak out and go get the best wide receiver group in the NFL. I just think you need to have, this team needs one more other person that can be relied on. Right now, it's just Travis Kelsey. He's talked time and time again now about how hard the playing football is on his body now how much recovery he has to do, how beat up he feels. I'm not saying that it's the end, but it would really be nice to start to let that guy, I don't know, get a play 30-year-old plus tight end snaps and not have to play and be everything for this receiving group, right? So I just, I think they really do need to look into a reliable option. Now, you know, I say rookies might not come in and make a big role. You know, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he's there and they draft him, I feel pretty confident you could put him out there early on because he's a very technical, very smart player. But if he's not there and you're relying on a Quentin Johnston, who's my personal wide receiver one in this class, I, I don't know what he's going to do first in his first year in Andy Reid's offense besides catch jet sweeps and run the occasional go route. 
And that's not the that that's not the reliability that they're missing. This is why I feel so strong that I think they have to sign somebody. If you're if like Kent said, they have a good read on the draft and they know someone's gonna be there, they like it into round one, that's fine. Still go sign Marvin Jones. Still go sign Odell Beckham Jr. There's nothing that says you can't do both of those things if that's your plan of attack. I just the Brett Beach and the Chiefs don't like to go into a draft needing to do something. And I feel like if they don't make a relatively significant move at wide receiver, they have to try to draft one in round one because you need somebody. This room needs someone. You can't, they have not a single reliable player right now to catch passes outside of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And that's, I know people are going to look at that and be like, oh, how's that different from last year? How does that change? It, it, it's a lot different. I mean, it, it, they were banking on Juju Smith-Schuster's health. They obviously didn't want to pay after they spent a season with Juju Smith-Schuster's health. They were banking on MVS growing as a player from what he did in Green Bay. Uh, they're a year into that now. Now, those both were very good players. Don't get me wrong, but they're not a wide receiver one type. And if we know anything about what Veach has done, they tried to pay Tyree Kill again when they couldn't get it done. They traded him, and what did they try and do? Sign A.J. Brown. Tried to trade for him. <laughs> one of the final two teams this is one of those scenarios where they are always going to look for another stud guy that can beat man coverage and be a legitimate threat no matter where he lines up wherever it is on the field now that's very easy for me to just say yeah go get one of those guys they don't grow on trees right now the ones that are available appear to be older and that also goes a little bit against what Brett Veach typically does. So I do think that there's going to be something that's going to give there. Either it's going to be a one-year deal for Adam Thielen, or it's going to be a one-year deal for uh, it, probably not Jarvis Landry, but you know, a, a guy of that ilk that they're hoping they can just wring just that last little bit out of that player and go draft a Quentin Johnston and go draft a Jordan Addison and just try and hope that that guy's going to be ready year two. And then you've got Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, rookie wide receiver, and you're hoping that those three can take over after that. That also doesn't necessarily align with what Brett Beach wants to do when he is trying to fill positions of need. He tries to go out there and make bigger splash moves. Now remember that. MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster were both on this team when Brett Veach tried to trade for A.J. Brown last year. They were looking to load up. So I know there's going to be this conversation about, oh, he got it done. They Maybe they're going to try it again because, he, they, you know, they know that he can win without having, you know, the best of wide receivers. They were trying to stack that wide receiver room still. I still do believe that they're going to try and stack it again. The only receiver in this draft cycle that grows on trees is Robert Woods. Maddie, before we get out of here on uh, on the receiver stuff, should the Chiefs sign Odell Beckham Jr.? Is that the move? Hold on. <laughs> I listen. Okay. But yeah, he, the Bobby Trees joke got Maddie there. <laughs> But, okay, you know, I I know what the joke was. But I just don't think it worked. Leave it to Tuck. We let Tuck have the Bobby Trees action. Um, okay, so I I want to be clear before we go about this. Like we all think the Chiefs should add a wide receiver. I think we all have an inkling that they are going. Like we feel like they are going to. Right. Like I think that's where we all kind of stand right here. To be very clear, this team is not doomed if they don't. 
if this team does not sign a wide receiver and goes into the draft the way it is right now, they are not doomed. I think it greatly puts their back against the wall to having the draft one early, which is something that they don't like to do, but it doesn't mean that they are doomed, right? They will still function just fine if they do that. It just, it seems a little, it seems awkward that they talk to, you know, back channels publicly so highly about the wide receiver room and wanting their wide receiver one and Juju Smith-Schuster back, and then they didn't get him back when he was very available. That's where I think most of it comes from. So I want to be clear about that. Next, should they sign Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, should they? Yes. I think it'll help. Like he can very clearly come in. You can slap him on the backside of these formations, these three by ones, or even your two by two stuff. Say, hey, go beat man coverage on a deep dig. Go win on this slant or this fade route. And guess what? He can do it. That's kind of what he made his entire career doing, including two years ago with the Rams. That's all they had him do. That's literally all he did was go sit on the backside of three by one and run digs and go routes like skinny posts. And he was great in the playoffs. Now you don't know what his health is going to be now after the injury, missing a year. Like I get the concern. And I think that's ultimately why the Chiefs won't end up getting him. Too many teams are mildly interested and the Chiefs will never be the highest bidder for an old injured football player. They will never outbid other teams for an old injured football player. That's why I don't think he ends up here, even though if I think it would work well. Yeah, um, if Jerry Jones is bringing his money into the equation at all in this scenario, yeah, if you're hearing that Cowboys and the Chiefs tied to a wide receiver that Jerry Jones likes, Chiefs might be leveraged there, guys. Just, just uh, you know, looking at that a little bit, I, I think it makes more sense I, to make a move for DeAndre Hopkins, a player who wants to be here, a player who wants to play with Patrick Mahomes, a player who would be a little maybe more accepting to work around some of the cap gymnastics needed to keep him here. And again, if he's not still, if Arizona's still not sitting there going, nope, it's a second or it's nothing. Because at this point, with the Chiefs signing the players that they have, making the moves that they have, I actually feel more comfortable going into the draft not feeling like you've got to give up that second. I know that seems counterintuitive, but take more swings on higher drafted players, get a wide receiver, get a right tackle, try and build through the draft if that's the scenario. But you want to talk it back in third, early fourth, I am all on board with DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm, that that's where my money would lie. Chiefs pick at 122. Uh, yeah. They have the Miami Dolphins fourth round pick. And also some people ask about uh, DeAndre Hopkins' contract. I'm assuming he'll probably get a new deal with whatever team acquires him. So they could afford him. I know everybody's looking at those next two-year cap hits. I am going to guess that those numbers change and a new contract with a year or two is added um, to a team acquired. That would be my guess, especially looking where the market is right now uh, and what you're seeing here. So I'd keep an eye on that too. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at Virginia.org. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. 
hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching this, appreciate everybody hanging out with us here. It's been a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff going on on KC Sports Network. And I promise you, draft season is going to be absolutely insane on this channel. If you've been seeing, we've got a lot of great draft content every single week. And it's only going to increase. And there's only going to be more the closer and closer we get to the NFL draft. What we're doing during the draft is going to be a lot of fun as well. I promise you that. Uh, there's been three other big moves that have happened since the last time we've all talked. And we'll talk about Juan and Colin. Best of luck to them. I don't know if there's a ton to say about them because we've got to pivot to the big one. And oh, all love. Hey, those guys, two times <laughs> champion. Two times. Two times Super Bowl champion Juan Thornhill. Two times Super Bowl champion Colin Saunders. Congratulations to the both of them. Congratulations. To both of them. Two times. Very happy for those two time champions. Um, I'd rather talk about them because the Chiefs still need their positions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, no. no, I know we don't. I know you don't want to. I just we're skimping over the fact that Chiefs have no nose tackles and only two safeties on their roster. Well, we'll we'll get there. That that might be a position that look third way free. We want to shove every free agent into one show, but we don't want to talk about all the positions in this one. I get it. Look, I think I think we'll. I don't think we'll have an answer at safety next week, so we can speculate about the safeties next week. But we need to talk about Orlando Brown Jr. because this is Should a we? very, very hot button issue here. Because the whole saga has been completed. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. signs a four-year deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. $64 million, $31 million guaranteed. Um, Yikes. <laughs> like, yikes for him. Uh, he turned down more money this time a year ago, or no, not even this, nine months ago, he turned down more money. More money early, more guarantees to side with the Cincinnati Bengals. It doesn't look like his market was very strong after moving on from the Chiefs, Matty. Um, I know where you stand on this, and I'm not near as far to that cliff as you. I don't think it's that bad of a deal for him. Like, I think it's very clear that his market wasn't what he thought but he still got very much what he wanted. He got a ton of money up front over a short period of time. He's already shown multiple times that he's willing to hold out. So like, he's just going to take his two years with a ton of money right up front. And then he's going to be like, okay guys, I'm worth more than that. Pay me again after two years. Like I think it works out just fine for him. The market wasn't what he thought, but like, I don't think this contract is some kind of like big 360 dunk contest slam on Orlando Brown Jr., he got a ton of money over two years, and then he's just going to say, all right, pay me more money to keep playing for you. Like, I think, I don't know. I, uh, good but, for him. No, uh, but timeout. Was that his expectation coming into this? Absolutely not. That was not uh, his expectation. Are we sure it's coming in? To, I mean, he sure the Chiefs offer last year because it didn't have enough guaranteed money. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, his higher point was he wanted guaranteed money over a short period of time. But he got less guaranteed money in this deal. But not over the period of time. He would he's getting more guaranteed he's getting more over two years from the Bengals than he did, was getting two years from the Chiefs. Like you're looking at the whole life of the contract, and I get why. The Bengals technically do have him on a super team friendly oh, deal for yeah. them. Yeah. But when he says, Hey, I'm just not gonna play till you give me another contract, like he's done before. What, what does that matter? What does it matter that they have these two extra years that like amount to $13 million, uh, You know, the, um, I don't know. I, I think it's fine for him, and I think the Chiefs couldn't have done it, and I think he over... I do think that he overvalued himself going into free agency overall. So, like, yep, yeah, it is what it is. 
I don't I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with any of that. He, but Sunday, he gets a $31.1 million check from the Bengals right up front there. And he's almost certainly going to be on the roster for them next year. That's two-thirds of the contract, of the entire value of the contract is being awarded to him through two years. Make no mistake, the Kansas City Chiefs were not going to structure something that way. They they just don't they they don't front load like that. They 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 just don't do that. If anything, they do the complete polar opposite, which is what the Orlando Brown Jr. deal was last year. That was a forty-four million dollar cap hit in year six last year. He wasn't seeing that. He wasn't seeing that money. So that's why you know everybody reported it was a nineteen million dollar deal that the Chiefs offered him last year. He wanted it up front, and like Manny said, like he's alluding to there, he and his agent keep. Putting well, not necessarily him. His agent and the media that are talking to his agent keep putting out there. It's like, and he'll be ready for a new deal after year three. It's like, there's nothing in this contract that says that he's got to get out in year three, a player option, anything like that. You know what that means? As a dude that is willing to just sit himself down and say, "Hey, listen, I ain't showing up. I need a contract. I need something new." So realistically, he's getting out of this in three years. He's going to make about the most guarantees that he could have gotten on the market right here. And he's going to try and turn around and get paid again before he's 30. I get why he's doing what he's doing. I get the reasoning behind it. I also do agree with both you, Kent and Maddie, that I think he thought he was going to get more APY. I really do. And the Bengals being able to basically put him on their roster for $6.4 million in 2025 should tell you everything about what that means. He's the 17th offensive tackle in pay structure now. In 2025, by that point, even if it's not not just talking to $6.4 million, this $16 million APY is going to be even lower. Like, he might be flirting with 2025, maybe even closer to 30 by the time all these other tackles get paid. It will be a bargain for the Bengals at that point. So, I, I do think he got what he wanted. The Chiefs weren't going to do that. And realistically, that's where both sides diverged. I know the Chiefs didn't tender that 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 uh, that uh, franchise tag again, but it's like $10 million more guaranteed than the franchise tag this year. I just find that a little bit interesting, too. Like, yeah. there's just no way that he walked into this expecting. He expected more. He was expecting more than what he got. It's like we can say good on him. It wasn't a good job by him. I don't think. I don't think the nego- I don't think he played his cards well. I think there was more money out here if he handled things a little bit differently than he did. I would love to know what the Chiefs' final offer was. I mean, and you listen to James Pal- Palmer use the words APY and what he was asking for APY before when the Chiefs elected not to tender him. It wasn't about the guarantees. It was about the APY, and his APY was outrageous. And here he is getting a 16 million APY. We're trying to spin, like, not you guys, but there's a lot of people trying to spin this like it was a positive for Orlando Brown Jr. On the day that the league started, he's doing a media tour. Because, like, what are, like, what, like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, you should, you should have a deal done by now. You should have a deal done before Jawan Taylor. Uh, but you didn't. And I just, I think he need, I, I think he played himself terribly. I think he could have got a lot more money out of this than he did. Good on him for getting what he got. And congratulations to Super Bowl champion Orlando Brown Jr. One but time, one time Super one Bowl time. champion Orlando Brown Jr. Um, it's up. yeah. So 
I just want to say, like, for the for the Bengals, from their side of it, you know, we're talking Chiefs, but the Chiefs play the Bengals a lot on the Chiefs' way to winning Super Bowls. They have played the Bengals. Uh, they beat the Froggles. Um, discount Cleveland, as some call them. Uh, and so it's a good. I think it's a good signing for for the Froggles. Um, they get a left tackle who is a little bit more stout, a little bit more powerful. The Chiefs have done a really good job coaching Orlando Brown Jr. up to not overset, to not panic about his lack of speed and to be more stout on his inside shoulder. That was an issue he had when he first got to Kansas City. He actually got beat to the inside a lot because he was trying to overset and race up the arc. They fixed that, and now he's going to go off to Cincy where, one, he's not going to have to worry about blocking for as long as he does for Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Two, he's not going to have to worry about you know getting eight yards deep consistently because Joe Burrow's fine living in the pocket, and they go into a little bit more of a multiple run scheme. Like, it's a great fit for Orlando Brown Jr. and the Cincinnati Bengals on that contract. But they got two wide receivers on a rookie deal plus Joe Burrow. They've unloaded like as much of the money as they can into the first year of this contract because they have the ability to do it. So like it's a good fit for them. It's a good signing for the Bengals. Like all around. They do it's a great fit for them. They became a better team because of it. And he it's gonna work out better for him. So hey, kudos. Now when you play the Chiefs, you guys can still lose, but you made a sure made a good deal on the way to doing it. I will say this. I see a lot of windmill dunking on Orlando Brown Jr. from Chiefs fans right now. Oh, he sucks anyway. He's terrible. We wouldn't have. No, no, and all that. I'm not even talking about the contractual side of things. Like, people there, oh, he's a terrible player. Awful, terrible tackle. We're better without him anyway. We would all be doing backflips if they had signed this contract if the Chiefs were able to make this work from an APY standpoint maybe not the structure because it would have hamstrung the cap a little bit this year but the structure of this deal basically coming in and signing him to the 17th highest paid offensive tackle in the league last year when the Chiefs offered him the deal there was a lot of back and forth yeah I mean when they offered him the deal there was a lot of back and forth there was a bunch of people that were like Oh, he's barely a fringe top 10 tackle. He shouldn't be paid more than the 10th highest in the league. Now it's this offseason. Oh, he had a terrible year. He's a 15, top 15 tackle. He shouldn't be paid in the top 15. They just got him for the 17th. And so, I mean, it, it's a good move. We would have been dancing in the streets for him. It, it would have been a nice, solid tackle pairing. But the Chiefs are ready to move on. And I get it. I, I get the youth movement. I get the... Uh, not wanting to have these negotiations all the time, not wanting to go through this all the time, not wanting to upfront that kind of money. All of that makes sense with the way that the Kansas City Chiefs are building their team. So best of luck to Orlando, but man, what that that's a hell of a deal for the Cincinnati Bengals. Chiefs probably offered him more. <laughs> I mean, like that's the thing. Like not I, the same structure, not but guarantees. Certainly they, not. They yeah, probably but, offered it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they they probably had a good deal on them where the API is looking a lot better, and we're like, okay, cool, fine, moving on, check the box, and move on. Like you know, but no, I that's just that's what it is. Um, okay, so you got we have a few minutes. You want to talk real quick about Juan or Colin? Do you want? Uh, no, this is the. No, this is the wide receiver show. Um, so instead of signing a wide receiver, I think what they the other option, they just go sign Mike Kosicki to play the literal Juju Smith Schuster role. I think he's a better athlete than Juju is. He can do all of the exact same stuff that you had him do. He'll probably cost the same as all these possession wide receivers. I mean, he's probably not checking in as much more than three for thirty-three like everybody else. So I that's just that is an option that I keep seeing because 
Mike Gesicki and Dalton Schultz, the two top tight ends on the market, neither one of them have been signed. And we're we're in phase two. We're about to get into phase three of free agency. These good, guys are going to start good tight end class, man. I mean, the, the draft no, class, I, no, no. you know. I get it. But, like, we're over here talking about the Chiefs need somebody else reliable. Mike Gesicki and Dalton Schultz are pretty reliable targets. No, they're probably not a thousand yard receiving threats in Kansas City, but they're still pretty reliable players. If you can go pull in one of those and now you have Gasicki can't really count as a tight end, but Dalton Schultz, you can play 12 personnel. He can block and catch passes. Or Mike Gasicki's a good tight end in space. He's a good wide receiver. Like, I don't know. That's just another option. If the Chiefs can't get a deal for DeAndre Hopkins, they can't sign Odell Beckham Jr., but they don't want to go into the draft with this gaping hole of a second reliable receiving option. Like, I do think there's, you can look at the tight end group. Those are two quality tight ends that you could have for a couple of years. I just, it's an idea that keeps coming in my head. And I think, no, that's stupid. But then it keeps coming back. And the longer we go, the more I think you might be able to find a deal on one of those guys. I mean, I listen, love love the idea. I like Mike Gesicki. I was really high on him coming out. I think that he's a better player than what we've seen so far from him in the NFL. Problem is, in 12 personnel, you know what's still on the field? Two wide receivers. <laughs> and yes, you're, you're using that guy as your de facto X but then you've kind of got two move tight ends. You're playing closer to like 10 personnel, and you're going to have teams that treat that as dime. I guess maybe you line up and you say, okay, we're going to try and block with Gasicki. We're going to try and block with Kelsey and try and get guys free. I I, I don't know. It, it's an interesting concept. I don't know that I'm willing to spend a ton of money to find out about it, but I, I, I don't hate the idea. I just would, in that scenario, I'd almost rather just be like, hey, let's go get the best wide receiver in the draft and just live with the growing pains. And maybe Andy can just be like, okay, we, we have to put this man on the field because we literally have no other body. The Chiefs, both. Lived, the Chiefs lived Too with both. a lot of growing pains last year and won a Super Bowl. True. So maybe they'll live with a few growing pains of having a Jackson Smith and Jigba playing more early than they anticipated i could deal with that that's going to do it for the casey laboratory we'll be back on monday live thank you all so much we appreciate you and we'll catch you later thanks for listening to casey sports network don't forget to hit that follow button you can find all six of our channels covering the chiefs the royals sporting kc and the kc current plus ku k-state or mizzou by searching kcsm wherever you listen to podcasts we're also on youtube Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.